Welcome to the Conservation Tribe. I am your host, Blaine Edwards, aka Earth Offline. And today, this episode is all about the dark side of elephant ecotourism. Um, we'll be looking at what that world looks like, getting insight into the unethical practices um, that happens behind the scenes that not many people know about, but probably should. Uh, and we'll be exploring this topic with today's guest, John Lee. So John Lee, thank you for coming on the show and welcome to the Conservation Tribe. Oh, How are you, my friend? Pleasure. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on. Honestly, it's so much fun. It's such a big honor. Glad, really happy to be a part of this. Well, we chatted before, but this is take two. So everyone can know that. Um, so how about you tell everyone a little bit, a little bit about yourself and your kind of background in elephant sanctuaries and ecotourism and that kind of stuff? All right. Well, I started from absolutely nothing. I didn't study um, biology or, or elephants or zoology or anything like that. Um, and disclaimer, I'm not a zoologist or anything like that. Uh, but I, I started working first in uh, 2015 at the Elephant Valley Project in Cambodia, Mondokiri, Cambodia. Mm -hmm. That is really uh, the only place left in Cambodia uh, with elephants. But I started as a guide, I got a guiding background, trip leading, you know, kind of outdoor education background. And I got very, very lucky started there as a guide. They have, uh, well, at, at that time, they would have one uh, native English speaker guide and then one local guide go on this trip. And then it was our jobs basically to take uh, tourist visitors out into the forest, talk about the elephants, their biology, uh, where they came from. Each elephant, you know, has its own history, has its own background. And also talk about the local culture. We work with the Benong people, which are in indigenous people to Cambodia. And they've been working with elephants for a thousand years, a long, long time. And they've got a really, really rich, amazing history uh, with working with elephants and the land in that area. Uh, but it's basically, yeah, it was our job to kind of just educate everybody about the situation and situation of elephants in Cambodia, uh, mm -hmm. but also the situation of elephants just kind of worldwide. Um, and that was my first step into kind of this world. And uh, I, like I said, I had no idea about any of this stuff going into it. I got very lucky. I was given this opportunity and it just just blew my mind. Uh, it was really, really incredible to learn all this stuff um, for myself and then be able to teach this to other people. And um, unfortunately, yeah, I learned a lot about the dark side of elephant tourism, about uh, what is going on, what goes into it, what goes on behind the scenes that people don't usually see. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, yeah, get to, to get to talk to people a lot about that. Um, but I, I worked there for about a year as a guide and trained up my replacement uh, for about a month, left for about a year, and mm -hmm. then got asked to come back and help out at a new sanctuary. Same, mm -hmm. uh, same people were starting in Thailand, in Chiang Rai, called Elephant Valley Thailand, <laughs> real original. And um, it's a bit of a different approach there. Basically, in Cambodia, it's a charity, it's a nonprofit, it's a very community-run, community-based organization. But in Thailand, it's a business and a big point in Thailand is to be able to show all these other elephant tourism organizations uh, that you can run a business off of ethical elephant tourism. You can show people that you don't need to have these elephants do shows and do rides and do all these other things that tourists do with them um, to get tourists. The tourists mm -hmm. will come to see elephants and just to see them 
being elephants and being happy and you know being well taken care of. So uh, I was there for about roughly four months as an assistant manager, and then I also while I was there I learned from our uh, vet tech who had been trained in target training for elephants. It's basically positive reinforcement training for elephants for uh, vet care. So things like um, getting them to put their foot up on a post so that you can look at their toenails, trim their nails, open their mouth so you can check their teeth, um, pin their ear out so you can take a blood sample, all the kind of things that you need to do to perform uh, good vet care for them. And it's all positive reinforcement based. So it's basically like, all right, you put your foot up here, you get a banana or a piece of pumpkin or something that they really enjoy. So there's no pain or violence or force involved at all. It's all up to the elephant. It's at the elephant speed. Um, so it's really the most ethical way of working with elephants, training elephants uh, mm -hmm. that is very necessary for, for their care. Um, so, so I, oh, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, no, you, you go, keep, keep going, sorry. I, I learned uh, as much as I possibly could from our vet tech there. And then uh, as well, there's an awesome, awesome guy, uh, a friend of mine named Steve Coyle. I'm totally going to plug him. Elephant Care Unchained. I'm wearing his T-shirt. What's uh, his name again? Replug. Steve Coyle, Elephant Care Unchained. Definitely check him out. He has his own charity. One guy literally just travels around Asia um, caring for elephants. So it works a lot in India. But uh, One he's person a show. One person show. He's really, really incredible. Good on and, him. Uh, he is, yeah, I, I've learned I've learned so much from him, but his experience with elephants, and he's an, an amazing target trainer as well, so he taught me a lot there. Um, and basically the whole point of me learning was um, in Thailand, we've got awesome Thai vets, we've got Thai staff, we've got um, these awesome, awesome team that take care of the elephants up there. Um, there's elephant hospitals, there's elephant vet schools, there's so many resources um, for elephants. The government vets come out to check on the elephants and give uh, free medicine to people. It's a really awesome program. But in Cambodia, just none of that exists. Um, there is just really no care for elephants besides um, the organization I worked for, Elephant Valley. Um, they have their own vet care program. They built up this program from nothing. And the whole point of me learning that was to learn everything I can from our vet tech in Thailand and then go to Cambodia and teach our uh, vet team there about the positive reinforcement and everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so then after Thailand, went back a few months uh, in Cambodia, helped train up um, mainly one elephant, a little bit of, of a second elephant, but my main job was training uh, my replacement, training someone else that after I left could continue to use this pot positive reinforcement for the other elephants, train them to uh, do vet care and you know everything like that. Um, yeah, and then I've since then kind of visited on and off and kind of helped them out when, when I can, but um, in that short span of a little over or almost two years, I learned more than anyone should ever know about elephants. <laughs> and uh, so, I, like I said, I'm not a zoologist or a bio uh, or biologist, but you've uh, had some I, experiences. I've had, you've yeah, learned I've a few a things. Exactly. And, you know, I've, I've got a man bun. I've got the cliche. Very <laughs> 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 You know, Got the long hair too. <laughs> you should trust me, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, to, to sum it all up with lots of rambling, uh, yeah, that's kind of my experience with elephants. So there was, so you mentioned you kind of didn't always want to be this. It was kind of something that just happened. Can you briefly explain kind of what actually did happen to um, get you to start in this kind of career? It really. I, I, at first, I um, 
like I said, you know, I was guiding, I was looking for guide jobs and I saw that they were looking for a new guide uh, at the sanctuary. And I, I literally just thought, wow, that'd be cool to go be a guide in elephant sanctuary. You know, I had no idea. So you, just, you just applied. There was like a job application and I you applied. applied thinking oh. I would never ask. Wow. On, on their website or like? Uh, it was through, it was through an, uh, a website, another website called Explorers Connect. Uh, which unfortunately now they don't have really a great job section anymore. But at the time, it was kind of like this big forum. People could post um, adventure jobs and kind of uh, expeditions they were doing and things like that. It was a really cool place. So, yeah, I just saw it randomly posted on there. And I found out later that uh, Gemma, the uh, manager there who is in charge of posting all the jobs, she didn't even post it there, but they stole it from another website. Um, so <laughs> I got really lucky and um, yeah, and as I found out, uh, talking with Jack, the guy who kind of founded the whole thing, um, yeah. that's kind of his approach is he likes taking people that, you know, may have uh, the guide experience and that kind of side of things said, mm -hmm. but don't really know much about elephants because there's there's a lot of misinformation, unfortunately, and there's a lot um, of practices and, you know, different ways of doing things. So he kind of likes taking someone who hasn't had that experience and mm -hmm. then teaching them what you know, our method of, uh, of working with elephants and our kind of uh, setup for a sanctuary and everything and our vision of what a sanctuary should be. So, um, yeah, I was very lucky that uh, I was a student <laughs> there for a bit. And like I said, it, it blew my mind. It, it, it made me incredibly passionate about it. So quickly on that. So it's, to me, it's, it's hard to always distinguish, you know, ethical from unethical. So the organization that you worked in you said they had a, a vision for what a sanctuary should how they should operate what was their uh their vision can you elaborate on that a little bit of course yeah so basically is like we like to sum it up our vision of what an elephant sanctuary is is a place where the elephant care elephant needs come first before mm -hmm. anything Preach um, it. <laughs> and, and it's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a place where, I mean, if, if you really want to call it a sanctuary, um, then yeah, then the elephants need to be the priority. They need to be the ones receiving the most care. And it's a place where you can let in tourists, you can, you know, bring in visitors and, um, you know, a lot of, I think, really legit good elephant sanctuaries, you know, still do some limited elephant interaction. Um, just recently, Elephant Valley Project kind of um, set the president of no more interaction with elephants. Um, when I was there at the time, it was kind of pretty common. Um, if an elephant was okay with it, you know, he can go up and say hi, touch it on the side, pet its trunk or something like that, if it was okay with it. But now uh, the policy is, you know, we don't let any tourists do that period. Um, mm -hmm. Because yeah, because we really want the elephants to be the priority. Um, mm -hmm. So any, any place where the tourist is put in front of the elephant as a priority, the tourist experience, the tourist entertainment, anything like that. Yeah. We say really, we think you can't really qualify as a, as a sanctuary because an elephant sanctuary, obviously it sounds so obvious, um, but the elephant should be a priority. But unfortunately, um, yeah, there's a lot of places where um, the people, places are calling themselves sanctuaries, which again, and there, there's no, set definition this is our definition so anyone is mm -hmm. free to call that um but a lot of places uh where yeah tourists are the priority tourist entertainment get the tourists that selfie with the elephant hugging kissing the elephant trunk that's the priority not really caring for the elephant 
I guess the um yeah some some uh, projects out there they use that that title of a, a sanctuary as a selling point. So I think probably one one day, hopefully moving forward, there will be certain criteria that needs to be met if you are to use that as a marketing term. Just exactly. like pretty much everything else in the world. Like for me as an architect, you can't call yourself an architect unless you're an architect. Otherwise, you're <laughs> a, a building designer, for example. Yep. Like you could get into trouble if you're, you know, you say something's architecturally designed when you're not actually an architect. So, but ecotourism is, you know, a fairly new thing relatively speaking so hopefully these things get integrated into uh you know their policies moving forward okay so um before i kind of get into the the dark side stuff the behind the scenes stuff there's some dark side elements that happen right in front of us Mm. you know you, you touched on the things that happen in front of in front of our eyes and the things that we participate in through interactions and whatnot what what are these things that um you know, many tourists participate in that unknowingly or knowingly is kind of having the negative a negative effect on uh, elephant uh, well-being and conservation in general. What are, what are some of these things that some people just genuinely don't know about because it's a lack of uh, awareness and lack of education? What are some of these things? I think a big one, I think now, you know, like you said, people are getting more aware um, and it's kind of in the tourist traveler zeitgeist mindset of um, not riding elephants, not going to circuses, not going to elephant shows. So I think there's a lot of people, especially I, I'm assuming you know people who are listening to this as well, kind of are in that mindset already. They want to contribute to you know ethical tourism and be responsible and things like that. So just to touch on the things I think a lot of people know about is uh, number one, the breaking of the elephants. Um, uh, this happens behind the scenes that uh, you know most people don't see. No one really should see it. <laughs> no tourists are going to want to see that period. But uh, any elephant in tourism, any elephant basically in captivity, as as a generality, is uh, every elephant has been broken uh, when they're babies, maybe one, two, three years old. They're wait. Can you repeat that? So any. So this is Southeast Asia, kind of specifically, right? Mm-hmm. But any elephant there in captivity has been broken. Mm-hmm. And what does that, what does broken mean? What's that process look like? In Thai, uh, it's called pajan, which literally means the crushing. Um, and you know, you can literally Google pictures. It's P H A J A A N. If you want to see pictures, there's videos of it. And it's basically a process where you take a, a young elephant from its mother, um, take it from the wild. Uh, elephants are still being taken out of the wild for tourism, and you tie it down, restrain it, chain it down, and you starve it to death. You basically just beat the heck out of it. You torture it, um, burn it, restrict its food, its water. You blast loud music in its ears, uh, stab it, jab it, beat it. And this can last several days. And at the end, when it's all said and done, that elephant isn't an elephant anymore. Uh, Its spirit is broken. It'll listen to commands. It'll perform. It'll do whatever you want it to. Um, And it it really just breaks their spirit. And um, it's unfortunately, like you said, it's necessary for every elephant to in tourism. Um, Any elephant that's going to be in a circus or 
uh, even in America, in, in American zoos, they are still doing this. Um, do any sort of entertainment or any even in, any interaction with tourists in general. Um, these elephants have to be broken because they have to be made to listen to people and to fear people and fear humans. Um, so unfortunately, yeah, it's pretty much every elephant in captivity now has gone through that process. Even in the ethical sanctuaries. So you, yeah, what's, even, I guess those ones, they rescue those from other less ethical sanctuaries, right? So that, exactly. So, so like e- the even, even in a place doing the right thing, the people, the elephants that they're looking after still had that horrific past. They, exactly. Exactly. So all the elephants uh, that I worked with, you know, obviously we as an organization would never ever dream of doing anything like that. Yeah. Um, but because they have been rescued from that, because they've been rescued from work or tourism, whatever it is, they have gone through that in the past. How does it work with, um, you know, a, a good sanctuary doing the right thing if they then reproduce there? Is That's, that is that the only example where there's a captive elephant in that hasn't gone through that breaking process? Or don't you breed them when they're when they're there? Is that kind of like an un, unwritten rule or law? It's it's really difficult, honestly, because um, their breeding elephants is a very controversial thing. I think in in the elephant world, um, our like my personal stance in uh, EVP and Thailand and. Um, a lot of other places as well is our general centers. We don't breed elephants. We don't want uh, elephant babies born in captivity in general. Um, in Thailand, the, the program is a little bit different for Elephant Valley Thailand because eventually the long-term goal is to actually be able to rehabilitate elephants to the point where they can be released into the wild. Um, so they're kind of on the fence. If there's an elephant born there, that's mm-hmm. probably a really good candidate for being released into the wild. Um, but then again, yeah, that's, a, that's another elephant in captivity where we really think the wild population, um, elephants deserve to be wild. Elephants deserve to be free. That's where we think um, they're most natural. Um, so that's kind of the population we want to keep going. Obviously, we want to care for the captive population, take care of them as best as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our stance, yeah, generally no breeding of elephants. Mm-hmm. But there are places and zoos as well in America that yeah actively breed elephants because they uh, they think uh, in their minds and there's a great argument for that side as well is that this is what's going to save the elephant population. We're going to keep breeding them. Eventually, right now there there really aren't great programs to release elephants back into the wild, but people are very hopeful. So zoos are breeding elephants so that they don't have to take elephants out of the wild anymore. Um, mm. Sanctuaries are breeding elephants so that they can possibly release them into the wild one day, or again, don't have to bring any from the wild anymore as well. Um, Because unfortunately, baby elephants uh, don't do very well in captivity. I think it's about 80% of baby elephants born in captivity don't make it past five years old. Um, So they're still- How do they die? Mostly, a lot of it has to do with their immune system. Um, Since they're not born in the wild, um, they don't, have that same level, you know, that same exposure to kind of the different, uh, or actually, sorry, in captivity, you know, there's a lot of different diseases, tuberculosis, 
um, and hepatitis. Uh, elephants are big carriers for those kind of diseases. Um, so there's a lot of things like that that exist in captivity that don't really exist in the wild that they're very susceptible to. That are brought in uh, by humans, for example. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, elephants and humans can share a lot of uh, nasty things, which is another reason, uh, which we'll talk about later, but don't swim with elephants and don't kiss elephants and things like that because um, you can actually catch them really, or you can give them uh, nasty things as well. Um, but yeah, big problem is baby elephants um, being taken from their mothers too early, not receiving enough of their mother's milk. Um, you'll see a lot of baby elephants in uh, places in Thailand that have these basically massive um, pustules and warts on their trunk, uh, which is like elephant papilloma warts. So it's, that's mm -hmm. a symptom. They haven't got enough of their mother's milk. Uh, and just bad nutrition. You know, they're not eating what they should naturally eat in the wild. Um, exhaustion, stress, uh, lots and lots of different factors, unfortunately, yeah. um, that all kind of contributed, uh, contribute to early deaths. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's hard to say, but it is possible. I think, and there are, you know, as, like I said, I make a generalization that pretty much all elephants in captivity have gone through this crushing, but there are baby elephants being born now in uh, mm -hmm. sanctuaries and in zoos that hopefully will not have to go through that sort of uh, treatment. But like I said, generally you know, speaking, generally that's, speaking, that's what exactly, happens. and uh, not so long ago, even in zoos and you know, everything, they were still doing this and it still happens. Mm -hmm. You know, zoos in America, big major zoos, uh, unfortunately. Okay. So going back to the behind the scenes, so the, the breaking of the, of the elephant that uh, you specifically mentioned the process from Thailand is it a different process in Cambodia and other countries, or is it, you know, pretty much the same? It's it's pretty much the same. Yeah, it's just a pretty different unique. name. They just call it a different exactly. thing. But it's the elephant exactly. is stolen from their mother. They get tortured, uh, and then someone comes in and kind of offers them water, and to them it's like their savior. Like I, I read somewhere that so they get tortured for you know a few weeks, and mm -hmm. the mahout. Um, is that how you pronounce it, Mahout? Yep, yeah, exactly. The elephant's Mahout comes in and then feeds that elephant, gives the elephant water, and then to the elephant, that Mahout is their savior, and then from there, it's, I guess it's under their spell. Um, yeah, that's, that's like you said, it varies a little bit, so that might not be what happens with everything, but it's generally that's kind of the process is just, after that, they're placed with the Mahout, and then that Mahout is... You know, is their teacher, is their caretaker. Um, and like you said, you know, it, it varies a lot. Like in Cambodia, um, the traditional way of working with the elephants, the, the Karen in uh, Myanmar and northern Thailand, there's a lot of cultures that, you know, I honestly say I, in a perfect world, uh, no elephants would have been taken out of the wild, you know, period. You, you, elephants should just not uh, be taken out of the wild, should not be worked. But mm -hmm. if you're going to work an elephant, these very traditional, old-fashioned ways of doing it was really like the most ethical way. You know, they still go through this process, but then, um, yeah, they're placed with a young boy, and that boy uh, literally spends the rest of their life with that elephant. They have a really, really amazing relationship. Um, elephants have very similar lifespans to humans, um, so they could live and die, you know, in, within the same, a very similar period of time. And like, you know, I've seen a lot of traditional Budong owners in Cambodia and Karen uh, in Thailand who really love and really try to care for their elephants. Uh, and unfortunately, that is really disappearing with, um, you know, modern tourism and 
the things that they're trying to get elephants to do nowadays. But um, the traditional way of doing it, honestly, uh, I, I think was very special and that people had really special relationships with elephants. But mm-hmm. that's that's really almost gone, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. This idea that there's a, you know, an ethical or more ethical way of mm. having this relationship. Um, and, and what is ethical and what isn't and morality? It's not like it seems yeah. to be on a continuum. What was ethical a hundred years ago, you know, isn't ethical now. And oh. what we consider ethical now won't be ethical in a hundred years time. Um, going, going back to the, yeah. So going back to the behind the scenes, what are some other practices that you know of that happen, uh, that not many people are aware of? So the stealing of the baby, is, is that kind of the main one or, uh, are there other things that happen as well? That's, that's a big one that I think now, like I said, it is in the mindset of a lot of people that now they kind of realize what elephants have to go through to be in tourism. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big one as well, I think that, again, I think more people are aware of, it's just the outright violence that elephants are dealing with all the time. You know, they go through this major trauma when they're babies, but also to keep them in fear of humans. It's to keep ongoing. Them in- exactly. It's ongoing. It's mm-hmm. constantly happening all the time. And I've heard multiple stories of other guys who have worked with elephants. Um, a guy I worked with here in Laos. Um, we used to work in an elephant camp, and he'd say well, during the time there were tourists there, they're all so lovey, you know. They're all we take, we love our elephants; it's so great. As soon as the tourists leave, ah, they just start beating the heck out of the elephants because they have and to. And you, keep and them you see those videos kind of pop up every now and again on mm-hmm. on Facebook, where people people like it's, it shocks you because you don't realize that this this happens, and um, yeah, it's it's hard to once you watch that. You can't unwatch that usually. Exactly. Exactly. So you kind of we we need, yeah. Who takes those videos? A lot of times, uh, it'll be people like the guy who works with like a guide, um, you know, who hasn't necessarily worked with elephants, but you know, it's his first kind of exposure, and, and he was unaware, just, and it was just like, exactly, shit, exactly. this doesn't seem right. I'm going to take a photo. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so kind of like really... an undercover cop. That's how these exactly. photo, these videos get exposed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We, uh, of, we need more of those, don't we? Some undercover oh, cops, because that's definitely. the key is exposure to to these things that happen behind the scenes, and we can't get that exposure unless we're behind the scenes and document that. Exactly. One hundred percent. And uh, like, I, we'll talk about later as well. But just asking questions, um, asking what is going on behind the scenes and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these, you know, elephants in places now, you know, that are trying to get this tourist aspect and try to pass off as a sanctuary. They, they're very good at hiding it. Um, and it's happening behind the scenes. Um, but there's still, you know, sometimes a lot of obvious signs. An elephant, you know, I've seen an elephant with um, like blood running down its forehead. And if people just ask like, why is that elephant bloody? You know. <laughs> What happened to that elephant? Why does that elephant have all these scars on its head? Mm. You know, different things like that. I think, unfortunately, um, for a lot of, and me included, we we don't want to know. We don't want to know what goes on behind the scenes because it's it's so hard. To, Sometimes to hear. we kind of know, yeah. but we just don't want to confirm that thought. Exactly, it's uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. So on that, because that's a real good point, because. You know, a couple of years ago, my girlfriend and I went traveling and 
we went to Thailand and went to a couple of elephant sanctuaries and uh, we were kind of shocked. Um, like the first two we went to, as you know, like it was something just didn't seem right. We were completely oblivious to uh, the un unethical side of this industry in a lot of cases. Um, but it just didn't seem right. Mm. So if we kind of knew back then potentially some tell signs, uh, like some, some questions to ask if there was a tear in the elephant's ear or some blood, what are some kind of signs to look out for and what are some questions that we can ask these operators when we're there to kind of really critique their process and kind of figure out are they doing the right thing or not? Like what are some kind of hard questions that we can ask them just to kind of keep them true to what they should be doing? I think the general one, you know, to sound like a first grader is why? <laughs> why do you do this with the elephants? Um, you know, I, I think, like I said before, if you go to a place um, and like you said, if you get that bad feeling and you're doing with something with the elephant that you're like, why? Why am I doing this? Why are uh, they letting me do this with the elephant? Does this contribute to the elephant's care or well-being in any way? Um, that's a bad sign. If, if there's something that uh, you're doing with an elephant or tourists are doing with an elephant that doesn't directly contribute to that elephant's care and well-being, um, that's kind of a, a red flag. Like I said, it's not always the case that there's lots of bad things behind the scenes, but that's kind of sign number one. So if, if you, you know, if the mahout or your guide or someone says, oh, here, come over here, take a picture with the elephant, and then they jab the elephant, the elephant, you know, puts its trunk up or something like that, you're like, if this is an elephant sanctuary, why are you making the elephant pose for a, a picture, you know, with me? Um, that seems like something maybe, you know, real elephant sanctuary wouldn't do. How, how did you train the elephant to put its trunk up like that? Um, why, 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 <laughs> you know, so why everything you that happens, just why, why, why don't just kind of take it as, you know, this is gonna cool. So yeah. Um, this but, yeah, is cool, but why is this elephant doing this thing? Why? Yeah, why exactly. are they allowing us to, uh, you know, bathe with the elephants? Exactly. Why? Why? Exactly. Why? And then ask the people running the tour why as well and see what they say. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 this is the kind of thing. I mean, I know it's it's hard, especially um, for me, because I don't like making it awkward and getting in that that situation. But when I, when I would have, you know, as a guide, people come in and start to just grill me like that, I, I, I loved it because mm -hmm. I knew I could back up everything we were doing. And, you know, there were legitimate reasons for everything there. Uh, but you'll see it kind of starts to fall apart, you know, at places that aren't so legit. And I visited some places as well um, that I've asked, why do you do that? If, that? if this is an elephant sanctuary, why are you still breaking elephants? Um, why are you breeding elephants for this reason? Things like that. And you can see, you know, the gears start turning and the people start to like, oh, how can I phrase this in a way that's mm -hmm. not going to, you know, uh, that's going to sound good. It's going to sound good to a tourist and things like that. Um, and another thing is just operation. Operations is a big part of, you know, the sanctuary and, and what you should know about. A uh, big thing is what do you do with the elephants when tourists aren't here? Where do the elephants go? Where do the mahouts live? Um, that's a big part kind of touching on the behind the scenes things that people don't know about. 
oftentimes the mahouts, the elephant caretakers or trainers, have just as bad of life uh, as the elephants. It, there's a huge, huge amount of abuse for the mahouts as well. So asking a Why asking is that? Them, English. Oh, it's a huge number of mahouts in Thailand, especially, are uh, refugees from Burma, the Karen. Like I said, the traditional people work with elephants, um, but there's a lot, just like anywhere in the world where you have migrant workers and refugees, they are taken advantage just so yeah. absurd, unfortunately, taken advantage of. And especially, it seems that these elephant businesses are just a magnet for this kind of practice and maybe it's because there are lots of shady things that go on in these elephant businesses that they also deal with human trafficking and you know things like that um but yeah a lot of these mahouts they get there they don't have a passport they don't have a work visa they're totally undocumented they, uh, and it's easy money for these um uh, elephant organizations they pay them under the table they pay them pennies you know they don't really have to pay them anything because if you know they've they've got uh, total leverage on them. They can say, you know, okay, if you, if you don't want to work here, then you can just go back to Burma. I'll just send you back there. I'll report you to the immigration police or something like that. So they have um, this leverage on them, which lets them get away with outright abuse of these people. And there's a, a fantastic undercover story, I think it was done by The Atlantic a few years ago, uh, where a male elephant at this big camp uh, was in must, he was in uh, breeding season, went crazy, killed uh, some tourists, and also killed a, his mahout. And, uh, where, where, where did this happen, sorry? I think in Chiang Mai. I believe it was in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Um, and uh, I'm totally blanking on the name of the place, but you, I'm sure you can literally just Google, you know, Atlantic, uh, Chiang Mai, male elephant kill, kills tourists. I think it was Chinese uh, tourists. And, the um, elephant kills the tourists. Yes, exactly. Was this recently? So yeah, I think I believe it was either 2015 or 2016, so just a few years ago. Um, I know it, was, it happened when I was in Cambodia, I believe. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, killed some tourists. They were on his back, uh, killed the mahout, and a lot of the outcry, uh, the feedback from this was people saying, "Yes, you know, the elephant fought back. The elephant killed its oppressor, killed the mahout because." Uh, yeah, you know, and these mahouts are not treating these elephants well a lot of times, but it's because they, like I said, you know, they're they're brought into this organization. They're handed a hook, they're handed a hammer, yeah. and they're said, anytime your elephant acts out or does what it's not supposed to do, you beat the heck out of it. You know, you just use this violence and use this pain. They have no experience working with elephants. They have no idea what they're doing. They're just told this is how you work with elephants. You use straight up violence for them. Mm -hmm. And then when the elephant snaps and kills him and, you know, people cheer for the elephant, uh, but it's just not a good situation all around. And then the Atlantic, uh, uh, I don't know if it was a few months or years or so later, they went back and they asked this organization, what happened to this elephant? What happened to uh, the hoot and everything like that? And they said, oh, you know, he's been retired. He's been he's at a sanctuary now. Uh, but they found the same elephant working at the same place. They just changed his name. So he was still working there. He's still being ridden, given rides. Uh, and the Mahout, they tracked down his family. I believe they were still in Burma. And they had no idea what happened. They had no idea uh, their family member, their father, their husband, their son had even died, period. Uh, because he was working there sending money back to his family uh, mm -hmm. in Burma. And it's all just, you know, swept under the rug. And people really, 
had no idea what was going on. And unfortunately, this is you know a prime example of what happens pretty often, honestly, uh, in tourism and in, in the elephant world. Mm-hmm. That- yeah, so you mentioned it's, it's a complex problem. So let's expand on that. So like, it's very easy for someone to kind of look in on the mahout or what happens in this industry and kind of it's very easy to point the finger and say that this person is evil because he or she is doing evil actions but it's I imagine it's not that simple that there's many different variables involved money trying to feed your family uh, lack of education government Mm -hmm. corruption so we've touched on kind of what goes wrong in this world what in your opinion, why do these things happen? What are some of the reasons behind this dark side of elephant ecotourism? Why does it happen? Wow. <laughs> Big question. <laughs> yeah. Big question. Fantastic question. I, I think, like you said, there, unfortunately, there is no black and white. Um, there are a lot of things that are going on that a lot of people have no problem with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of, you know, I'm a total elephant gatekeeper. I'm a total elephant rights extremist um like you know how we met <laughs> you know posted on uh your instagram and i left this nasty comment let's touch on that because this is a hilarious story explain how we met <laughs> <laughs> so basically I, I when i was working in Chiang Rai on my day off <laughs> i uh i went to a local elephant camp where they ride elephants mm-hmm. and uh just to scope it out, see what was going on. I, you know, and, and basically shame tourists. And I, I saw this boatload of um, European teenagers get off. It's next to this river, and they they walk up to this elephant camp, and they all hop in the back of this elephant, el- these elephants, and then they go for this big hike. And um, you know, I basically posted this this short video on my Instagram of these two. Yeah. White girls on the back of an elephant, you know, woo, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. And, and, you know, shaming, passively aggressive, uh, aggressively shaming tourists on my day off. And, and uh, then, yeah, yeah, that and uh, you commented on it, I right, about your girlfriend and said, you on your day off. And, and um, I, you know, I basically like it. I'm I'm a total gay. If you look at like my Reddit history and everything, I am such. Uh, uh, are you I, on Reddit? I um, I shouldn't have said that. Are but, you big Reddit? <laughs> oh, we can talk but, about that uh, later. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I shame people all the time, and I you know I have this high horse, high elephant that I'm mm. on. Um, but and I said, I looked through your history. I looked through all yeah. your pictures and girlfriend's pictures, and I saw you. Uh, at this elephant place in Thailand that yeah, I knew somewhere, yeah. place. Exactly. And um, I left this comment that was like, oh, you know, so, oh, so pretentious. And I, and <laughs> you like, think oh, you're you so good. <laughs> <laughs> Along those lines. All this stuff about elephants, but I just looked at your history and it's pretty obvious you've been to these, you know, unethical elephant places and blah, 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 blah. Mm. And you replied, so well and so nicely and put me in my place and was talking like yeah you know we visited this place had a bad feeling and now you know we know a lot more and a lot more edu- research and you know a lot more educated about it and 
and uh, we're talking about you know blockchain and kind of the, yeah. the crypto world about you know and you know which i'm very very into as well and um just totally disarmed me and and um yeah and that's how it started and then i you know messaged back and look and now we're having this podcast so it's funny <laughs> yeah. how it all turns yeah. out hey exactly exactly and uh yeah i'm very i'm very happy that you replied so well and we're the bigger person and um that this all started but yeah i i i don't there's very few things that make me so fired up but elephants is one of those things where just like, to be, like uh, it's a it's a good thing like we need people that are so fired hmm. about this fired up about this kind of stuff um people make the argument that it's never a good thing because people don't respond to criticism like that. But you need a balance of people that are like that mm-hmm. and also a balance of the people that kind of – you need people approaching this with the same end goal but different methods. We need mm-hmm. a balance of the whole spectrum in order to kind of get to where we all want to get to in the first place. Um, but, yeah, funny story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I think – and, I, you know – in my defense as well, on my tours and things, uh, there's a. I met a lot of people who had been to Angkor Wat, rode elephants, been to Chiang Mai, rode elephants. And you never, you can never just tell them, oh, you're awful. I, I can't believe you've done that. Because people love elephants. And they, they do these things with elephants not because they say, oh, this this harms elephants. You know, this is why I want to ride an elephant. It's because mm-hmm. they love elephants. You know, they and there's such a lack of education, unfortunately. Oh, it's massive. Um, yeah, exa- and you know, before even before I went to Cambodia as well, I re- like I said, I had no idea what was going on behind the scenes. So, um, you know, yeah, ninety nine percent of people who do these sort of things with elephants uh, love elephants and, and want the best for elephants and want uh, to contribute to responsible tourism with elephants and things like that. Um, so yeah, so being a jerk and, and replying like that and things like that, I, I think is. Yeah, I mean it's good. It's good to have some extremists in in there, but um, yeah. You, you well, gotta... if you didn't, if you didn't say what you did, we uh, wouldn't have connected. That's true. Yeah, very true as well. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think you gotta recognize that it's it's all it's all, all about education. You know, no one. Yeah, education and, awareness. And there's black and there's no black and white. You know, every everything is relative, and uh, what what I think people shouldn't be doing with elephants. Uh, there's great arguments on the opposite end of the spectrum that say, oh, no, we do this with elephants because of this, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. So it, it's all over the place. So, on, yeah, to just so the education is obviously key, research education. But um, on that education, you also need kind of discussions and because people mm-hmm. have different viewpoints and it's important to have a dialogue around these issues but also approach this conversation from open with an open mindset so that you can... You know, so you're open to learning something new. But yeah, conversation, having a dialogue around these things is super important and social media is a great tool for that. Mm-hmm. Mm. As well as just raising awareness in general. Raising awareness and also creating a conversation is, is kind of mm-hmm. what social media is, is designed for. Definitely. What were we talking about before I told you to tell us? Uh, why, why I think oh, yeah. um, there's so it? many bad things <laughs> so many bad how about just kind of talking about one or two if there's it's obviously a very deep problem with many different reasons but kind of what's one that people could probably uh understand just kind of more more bad practices as oh no like um or like so going on the bad practices so the people that do those things 
mm. you know, they're not necessarily all bad people. So yeah. what are some of the reasons yeah. that uh, gets them to, to do what they do? Because a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of these people actually love yeah. the animals, but they feel like they need to do it because yeah. it's a job and they're poor and exactly. they need to feed their family, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Uh, I think, like you said, number one is lack of education. Um, you meet a lot of people in the industry that really, unfortunately, actually don't know that much about elephants, even though they've been working with elephants their entire lives. Uh, and, they, you know, I've met a lot of really awesome mahouts that know everything about how to train an elephant, you know, how to work with an elephant. But when it comes to the medical side of things, you know, mm -hmm. really long. Uh, and vice versa, you know, vets that don't have any idea about training elephants and working with elephants and things like that. But, um, yeah, lack of education, I think, is the big thing that causes a lot of abuse and kind of perpetuates um, this industry because rule number one or sorry, number one example is um, I got, I've heard a lot of people say that the hooks, you know, the, the bull hooks that they use with elephants um, to guide them or even to beat them and things like that. A good bull hook isn't supposed to actually break the skin. Um, even in Thailand, at uh, Elephant Valley, Thailand, the mahouts have bull hooks. They never use them on the elephant, but it's just there just in case. You know, in case of an emergency, in case an elephant gets spooked or something, and it has to be, you know, reeled back in, calmed down. Uh, they put it on the ears, and it doesn't break the skin. It's more of just, you know, kind of that uh, shepherd's crook. You know, okay, come back this way, come calm down, you know, come back with the other elephants. Um, but uh, you see now, you know, people are just literally grinding their hooks and, uh, and using hammers and spears and all kinds of things because they want it to cause pain. They want it to hurt. But they'll also say, oh, the elephant's skin is so thick, it doesn't feel it. You know, the elephants don't feel pain. They're so big. They're so tough. They don't feel it, um, which is not true at all. Their skin is extremely sensitive. Uh, and there's a lot of traditions. There's a lot of, uh, if you look, uh, there's a great documentary called Where um, the Elephants Sleep about elephants in uh, India, in Kerala, um, there's a vet who is reading from this literally ancient handbook of elephant vet care, and it's talking about the chakras and the spirits. And he's an amazing guy, and you can tell he really cares about the elephants. Mm -hmm. But he's doing these you know, practices like literally uh, shoving chili powder into an eye because it'll make them sweat out the, the bad spirits and things like that. You know, So... It just has really no uh, good effect on the elephants and no uh, positive treatment for them. Um, and then, you know, like I've talked to uh, elephant owners in Cambodia that, um, you know, a big part of what EVP does, they have their vet care team. They go to villages. They, they uh, meet a lot of elephant owners way out in, you know, the middle of the forest. And um, they'll say, okay, how old is your elephant? And the, the owner will say, it's 150 years old. And they're like, <laughs> Elvin's really only lived to like 70, so it's probably not like that old. But, um, you know, there's so many traditions and, and honestly mythology and, and stories about elephants because they're so highly revered and they're these very spiritual and so intelligent, uh, mythical creatures, honestly. So there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of lack of education. Um, and then I think uh, another big reason why um, this kind of thing keeps happening is because a lot of the owners say, if, if I didn't bring in tourists to ride my elephant, um, then I wouldn't get any money to feed the elephant. I wouldn't be able to take care of the elephant. If I didn't 
hit my elephant, it wouldn't listen to me, and then it would kill a tourist. If I didn't do this with my elephant, um, you know, it'd have this negative consequence, uh, which also I think feeds into a lot of uh, lack of education. And you know, big mission of um, Elephant Valley Thailand is working with these owners, working with the people who own elephants and other elephant uh, businesses and tourist traps, honestly, that do these kind of things where you have owners that actually do care about these elephants, but say, look, this is what I have to do mm-hmm. to care about elephants. Um, so, and then showing them, you know, by us as an example of that, no, you don't actually have to do those things. Tourists will come to see elephants if you're taking care of your elephants. You can let them be free, let them roam around, treat them well, have, you know, have a good life and still get tourists and you'll still get that money. Um, so that's, like I said, you know, kind of what, what they're doing up there, for example. Well. Yeah, so probably- education, 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 education. Yeah, exactly. So the thing, the thing with education is, sometimes you can have fake news and mm-hmm. misinformation. So, what are some? Can you recommend any uh, good projects on social media, on Instagram, or good online resources for people to kind of get educated on this sort of stuff? I'd say. There's a, uh, a great website called elephantcare.org that is uh, generally for elephants in zoos. Um, and it's a, really, it's a great resource for people who work with elephants as well. But there's a lot of pages you know, talking about target training, how to ethically work with elephants and different things like that for things in zoos um, and how elephants should, look, should be looked after. So if people are curious about um, that positive reinforcement training and how you can work with elephants without violence, that's a really great resource. Um, obviously, I'm going to plug, you know, Elephant Valley Project in Cambodia, Elephant Valley, Thailand. Um, their websites as well do a really good job of explaining why they don't do certain things with elephants, um, why they cert- see certain activities as unethical. Um, bless Boon Lots Elephant Sanctuary, also in Thailand. Really awesome place. I did a little bit of a different model than uh, the places I've worked at, but, you know, that, that's also one of the cool things is I think you can, there are multiple ways of running an elephant sanctuary and, and taking care of them. Totally. You can see that website uh, as well. Look on their social media. Um, David Sheldrick, you know, he's a legend with African elephants, mm-hmm. but as well has really a lot of great information about elephant care um, and, and uh, wild elephant tourism. That is, I think, a, a big issue now that a lot of people are really starting to um, get more attentive about is there's a lot of studies that have been released uh, recently that uh, have basically said that wild elephant tourism, even just you know going on a safari, seeing them in a jeep, uh, actually makes wild elephants more violent, uh, more aggressive, and more likely to attack uh, humans. So it's very hard. Mm, you know, very that's very interesting. Life. Yeah. Because and, uh, to me, I feel like ecotourism, this is pers- my personal opinion, but ecotourism, if done right, there's so much upside. And mm-hmm. I understand there's obviously some downside to that kind of industry as well. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Like you have to, there's, there's never a solution where there's, you won't find a solution where there's no downside to it. So exactly. it's kind of weighing up the net score, and if it's net positive, then in theory it's probably 
a, a good path to, to go down. Very yeah, interesting. Now I'll, I'll get you to send me those links later. So yeah, I'll oh, research them up. Yeah, one green planet is uh, is another really good one that talks. It goes into depth about uh, Pajan and also like things like elephant painting uh, and all these things that you see at all these places in Thailand that are just you know actually horrific. <laughs> that mm -hmm. you know they force all these elephants to do um, through pain. That's another great resource. But um, yeah, on on wild elephant tourism again, I think. The consensus, unfortunately, in my opinion as well, is that still the best option uh, until there's another option. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the safaris, and and I think it's less of a big deal in Africa. You know, it it makes them more aggressive, but that is really right now the best ecotourism option of seeing elephants. I think of seeing them in the wild, but the the prime, just absolute worst extreme example of this. Um, you go to Africa, you know, David Sheldrick, place like that are, you know, the top, they're the absolute best um, place to see wild elephants. But then there's places like in uh, Sri Lanka, the big elephant migration that goes through here, that goes yeah. there. There's, you know, these jeeps. Uh, yeah, so I, I went story. there and um, yeah, that's probably an example of where you do the wild, the wild elephant tourism wrong mm. because yeah, you, you get right up close to them, you get too close and you can you can see that they feel uncomfortable and threatened. And the thing is you've got all these jeeps coming in together and they more or less circle the elephant and there's mm. literally no place for them to go. Mm. Um, so it's bad for them, but also dangerous for the people in the, in the jeeps because they'll just charge one of the jeeps and see you later. Yeah. But yeah, there, there, there definitely needs to be like a, a guidebook or a rule book, sorry, to, um, like an ethical rule book for ecotourism operators that mm -hmm. they need to kind of uh, abide by and uh, tourism, tourists as well need to be aware of that. So if they go on a tour and the operator is doing something unethical, they can kind of point it out and be like, mate, you shouldn't be going this close to these elephants, you know, yeah. back off. Like we, we, we want to have this experience, but we also want to do it in the right way. Yeah. So, but again, that comes down to, to education as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's kind of nearing the end of the podcast. We've gone, oh, we've gone over. Oh wow! <laughs> but all good. Um, before, so there's two things I want to do at the end. I want to do a quick lightning round Q and A where I shoot off a few questions to you, just for a minute, and then I want to end off on the question of the day. So it's just what I want to try and do with uh, the guests is at the end they get to us the audience, if there's anyone out there listening, a question. It can be deep or light. It can be whatever you want, but kind of leave a question for them to ponder on. So we've got those two things. Before before we go into those, um, is there anything you wanted to talk about um, that we haven't touched on? Do you want to – so we mentioned, like, it's obviously a holistic problem and there's, you know, more to this than meets the eye. And the project you're working on is – kind of one that's tell us a little bit about that because that's kind of uh, related but in a probably in a not so intimate way definitely yeah um what i'm working on right now which is still very much in its infancy and uh unfortunately i've been very busy lately and haven't really had time to work much on it but it's called the uh, working title is project zomia um zomia is a term for the highlands of Southeast Asia, so everywhere from uh, Bangkok, 
Bangladesh and Assam and India through parts of Nepal and then uh, lots in uh, Burma, northern Thailand, Laos, small bit of Cambodia, Vietnam. Uh, it's basically this region of the world where groups of people still have not assimilated into a state, into kind of a nation. There's still a lot of um, ethnic minorities, um, you know, generally referred to as the hill tribes, that live this kind of anarchist lifestyle um, in the mountains, you know, away from the, the lowland populations, big cities, um, because they, they've perfected this way of not assimilating, you know, being very independent and maintaining their culture, maintaining their way of life. Um, and that uh, really spoke to me, especially with working with a lot of the hill tribes of Southeast, Southeast Asia, uh, in Cambodia, in Thailand, and here in Laos as well. Um, I really fell in love with kind of that way of life. And uh, I'm a bit of an anarchist and very anti-authority, so it really spoke to me. And um, But I also, you know, in my time, my short time out here, I've met so many incredible people and so many awesome projects that are really deserving of much more attention. Um, especially, you know, what I felt when I was working at uh, EVP, I was like, how has no one heard of this place? You know, this is such an incredible project and they do so much good, not just for elephants, but for the people and the forest and uh, healthcare and education. You know, they've got so many good programs there. Uh, and there's a lot of places like that. Uh, but unfortunately, the reality is they are just being kind of thrown by the wayside by these really big, you know, great social media marketing projects um, that say all these kind of things, but don't really have as much substance behind them. So kind of my idea was uh, starting this sort of project to be able to help projects, kind of get them uh, more attention, uh, make hopefully a bit of a directory, uh, very similar to like Earth Offline, uh, a place where you can go and you can see all these projects that have been listed and have been you know, verified as legit. And uh, you can see you know, their finances and where the money goes to. Uh, and hopefully as well do some fundraising for them, be able to you know, have donation links. Uh, and as well, like we talked about earlier, I'm super into blockchain and cryptocurrency and everything like that. And I believe that is the future is, you know, digital anarchy. <laughs> and uh, like, you know, EVP, I, I use a, a, as an example all the time, but this is the case with a lot of projects is uh, governments, unfortunately, out here are really becoming a lot more authoritarian. Um, they're cracking down on these charities. They're in, introducing more taxes. Um, they're taking land titles away from the indigenous people. Um, so things like blockchain, where you can store this information uh, permanently, you know, and, and it's not controlled you by... You can't tamper with it. Exactly. You can't tamper with it. It's not controlled by a government or one person or a bank. Cryptocurrencies, you know, it's independent. Mm -hmm. It's not controlled by the bank. Uh, each person can have their own uh, cryptocurrency wallet and everything. I think this is such a great tool to bring more autonomy to the people out here, the people of Zomia who have um, been fighting for autonomy and fighting for more independence for, you know, themselves and their cultures and these projects, these awesome projects out here that are just scraping by, you know, by the skin of their teeth um, because, you know, they put every cent they have into the work that they do and they mm -hmm. don't have money for that marketing and everything like that. Um, so, yeah, it's like I just am a master rambler, but um, that's <laughs> my, my basic outline for this kind of project. And 
Um, like I said, it's very much in its infancy right now, but um, that's what I'll hopefully be working on for. Uh, it's got a good foundation, and you've <laughs> made, you've made a start, so that's that's the important thing. So, uh, what's the what's your Instagram handle for that? That is, I think, literally just Project Zomia. Mm-hmm. Right there. Yeah, no, I agree. I think blockchain has a big future uh, in general, but also within this space specifically because there is often an issue with um, uh, corruption and people doing saying one thing and, and doing the other and blockchain helps with that because it promotes transparency and it can incentivize those that are transparent and doing the right thing so fingers crossed that kind of this comes through and has a positive in- impact sooner rather than later hopefully okay so let's Let's move on to lightning round Q&A, just for a bit of fun. A minute. So we've got a minute worth of questions, and you shoot off some answers. And then we'll go on to the question of the day, and then we will say goodbye. (laughs) All right, let me set a timer. Okay. So I'll I'll probably take a full minute on one question. (laughs) All right. What's your favorite animal? Oh... Golden eagle, not an elephant. <laughs> Golden eagle. Yeah. Why? I that's kind of my self um, self-described spirit Personified, animal. That's your that's your spirit animal. I, yeah, I've had some really. I, when I went out west when I got graduated high school, and I had a really amazing experience with a golden eagle that I was like, wow, that's that's my spirit animal. So, uh, okay. and I they're just amazing. I've seen them in like Mongolia and everything. I think they're just. So I think I know the answer to my next question then. So would you rather swim like a dolphin or fly like an eagle? Uh, yeah. <laughs> eagle. What do you prefer, Facebook or Instagram? Instagram, for sure. And what social platforms are you active on? Uh, mostly Instagram. Um, I, I'm really, unfortunately, not really active right now in, in anything, but Instagram is kind of my main one. And Facebook. Reddit? Reddit, of course. Yeah, no, sorry. There you go. Of course, Reddit. Um, it is a weird unspoken rule that you shouldn't say your usernames, but I don't have anything to hide. So my username on Reddit is uh, Pilgrim John. It's, it's as easy as that. But um, I'd made a post a few years ago after working in Cambodia about this big imager gallery of what you need to know about elephant tourism. So if anyone wants to see that, that's on my Reddit. Go oh, check it out. Okay, I'm going to check that out myself. Reddit, Reddit's an interesting space um, because there's a lot of people with some very strong opinions. <laughs> yeah, no, which sure. is good. Which is good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Like, and like I said, me. I mean, literally, you can see my latest comments. Half of them, more than half of my comments, are just about elephants and just shaming people. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm, I'm such it needs a, to be I'm... said. It needs to be said. Okay. Last question. How would you describe elephants in one? Oh man, big. (laughs) Yeah, I'd probably say that's so cliche, but intelligent. Intelligent. They are smarter than anyone gives them credit for. Uh, If you spend a lot of time around elephants, it's it's unbelievable how smart. Which and intelligence as well comes. I think it's just such a broad term because it also covers emotional intelligence. Emotion and the the most. I've heard this quote, I don't know if it's true, but they are the most, I don't know how you 
figure this out, but the most empathetic animal mm. out there. Yeah. And that's I would, definitely I would emotional IQ, which is something that I think a lot of humans lack, Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, I, I would 100% agree with that because, uh, side note, there, if you see any fact about elephants on Reddit or Facebook, 99% of the time it's fake. It's not it's not true. Please do your research and Google these things people because I even see... that in itself is tricky because you Google you Yeah How do you know uh, if your source is reliable? That's one thing that no that's fun. one thing with this education yeah. thing that I'm trying to do with my Wildlife library ecosystem like there is a I'm trying to collaborate with scientists and researchers from mm -hmm. around the world who are, have studied these each particular animal that I've got an account for mm -hmm. and share those facts mm. as a way to kind of create some credibility and like a, a resource that you can rely on because you each fact is it is um, linked to the person who sent that through and then you can check on their account and you can see that they actually for all their career they research elephants mm -hmm. or they research tigers or they research yeah. Um, you know, lines and wherever. That's so awesome. because there is an issue with fake news, mm -hmm. which is a big problem considering the solution to these big problems starts with research and education. And if you can't get that right, then there's a big problem. So that's one thing I'm trying to work on to solve that is social media education platform mm -hmm. with facts that are submitted by people that actually know what they're talking about awesome yeah okay let's go into the last and final segment the question of the day so as i mentioned it can be as deep or as hilarious or light-hearted as you want but we'll ask the question and people can hit us up on social media and, and answer it if they want to but what is your question of the day my friend i have am i permitted to I have a, a joke one first and then a serious yes, one. Yes, two. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, first question. What do you call an elephant with a bad haircut? Donald Trunk. <laughs> <laughs> and it's extra funny because I, you're from that part of the world. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I literally... And I, I used to say that when I was a, a guide and the, the groans I would get. That, those, those are my favorite kind of jokes, so, you know, off the Elephant down. with the comb over. That's, a, that's an image. That's an image <laughs> right there. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, but for serious, serious question, okay, I, I serious. think um, this question was raised. If you want, I get, I, I'm sorry for plugging this so much. But Plug away. If you want to learn more about the Elephant Valley Project, um, Colonel Chris Hadfield, if you know who that is, Canadian astronaut, his son, Evan Hadfield, has these mini documentary series that he posts on YouTube that are really fantastic called Rare Earth. Uh, he did one called Saving Cambodia's Last Elephants, I believe, uh, which is a really great mini documentary about uh, EVP, but also kind of just in general about how people view elephants because um, – there is such a stark contrast. There are other elephant organizations in that area of Cambodia, but, um, you know, in a lot of places that say they're an elephant sanctuary. But what Evan Hadfield does is he visits EVP, and then he visits one of these other, uh, in quotes, sanctuaries, uh, and talks about just the stark differences in how they treat elephants. Um, okay. 
And it's because the view is totally different. Um, you know, EVP was started by a uh, British guy, Jack Highwood. Um, there's a core, you know, four or five uh, foreign staff. The rest of the staff is only, all, uh, there's, um, sorry, uh, more than, you know, 50 local staff. So it's a very local community run project, but came in with this idea of, okay, elephants are special. Elephants are more than just uh, workhorses. They're more than just labor animals or livestock. Um, they are wild animals and they deserve to be treated like that. But then you visit these other places and they see elephants as beasts of burdens. And, uh, you know, talks about the difference of treating the elephants there. Not because these people are evil, not because they straight up hate elephants, but they just don't see them the same way. And so they treat them very differently, you know. And, um, and that, I think, would be my question is how... One, sorry, <laughs> how do you view elephants? Uh, just a general question for everybody. Do you see them as wild animals? Uh, do you see them as cows? You know, do you see them as livestock? Do you see them as animals that, you know, there's no, there's no uh, real problem with using them for entertainment because um, that's, you know, part of human history. People have been doing it for a thousand years. So traditional. Yeah, exactly. That's their role. And, you know, I've had people say to me, well, once an elephant is taken out of the wild and it's broken and uh, it's, you know, made to work, however awful you feel about that or however awful you see that um, after that, you know, it's it is what it is. It's an elephant that will do work. It's an animal that will do work. It's an animal that will do entertainment. It's different. It's not a wild animal anymore. Uh, which I yeah has, has a lot of valid points as well. So, one, how do you view elephants? What is a role of an elephant? Uh, but also, I think that applies to wildlife in general or animals in general. What is the role of animals in our world? Um, are they for entertainment? Are they for uh, consumption? Um, I'm not a vegan at all. <laughs> I I love eating meat, um, but. Yeah, what, where's the line? Where do we draw, you know, wild animals and uh, take an elephant out of the wild and put it in captivity mm-hmm. and suddenly, it, you know, is it changed? Is it is it different? Um, um, yeah, it's very vague. I'm sorry for being so vague. But yeah, like what what is the role of, of animals in our world? What are the role of elephants specifically? What are the roles of elephants? All right, we'll we'll leave that one to ponder on. <laughs>